But I think the people who profit most from a Web3 environment are people who um, are able to handle poor user um, interface experiences, um, who um, are resourceful and can find information without having to ask people and wait for information to be sent to them. They can just Google it. It's these people, the proactive ones, the hunters, if you like, who go out there and actually try to improve themselves. Web3 is perfect for people like that. But unfortunately, most people are not like that. You know, most people are just like, give me the information. When moon? When marketing? When are you going to do things for me? Instead yeah. of when am I going to do things for myself? You know, and that's that's yeah. the biggest problem, actually, I think, with this transition. And yeah. so it requires a, me a, a mentality an approach just ladies and gentlemen comrades welcome to episode six of the quantum show and we have a special guest today we have oliver muldoon and oliver muldoon we're very to have, happy to have you here he has um, a lot of experience in many different fields. Uh, started out as a legal administrator um, with several notable uh, law firms. Uh, some of them, Berwin, Leighton, Paisner, McFarlane's, Linklater's, clearly Gottlieb, Steen and Hamilton LLP, Paul Hastings, then went to the Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, uh, was an assistant VP for asset-based lending, among other things. Then proceeded to go to Slovenia, became the head of English there, made content for Bitstamp. Then created uh, a methodology that we're gonna talk about a bit later. Um, of It's called Fixers Pence, which is uh, really interesting and relevant, and is now self-employed freelance. Um, this episode, as you can see in the title, we uh, are gonna have a look at community building, management, psychology, all of that. Oliver has written a bunch of articles and they are all in the description as well as in a PowerPoint that we will be showing in a bit. And we're gonna, we're gonna dive in. We're gonna go through the first three articles and uh, what Oliver has been, uh, been on about. And um, we're gonna do our best to keep this all under two hours because we did the introductions and apparently we all love to chat a lot. So <laughs> Oliver, thank you so much uh, for being here. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I, I met Oliver actually in the trenches of the quant community back in 2020. Um, Oliver yeah. asks questions, same as, as we like to ask questions and challenge the status quo a bit. Um, It escalated a bit, a wee bit back then, uh, which was uh, really interesting. Got Gil in the chat. And um, after that, proceeded to, uh, to keep communicating with Oliver in, in DMs for a bit. Then we lost, uh, lost touch. Then I found him on LinkedIn again. I saw his articles on community awesome. building. I was like, okay, this is really relevant. And this can actually help both the comrades. Uh, as well as other people in crypto um, to understand what is going on and and why sometimes echo chambers are echo chambers, why admins are sometimes tyrants, and, and, uh, and also why that serves sometimes a purpose. 
Um, but there's a lot of things going on, a lot, a lot of trickery, a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff. And um, we're going to pick Oliver's brain to see uh, what he found, learned, and, and see if we can help you guys um, become a little bit more aware of what is going on within your mind and the minds of others. So, did I miss or botch anything up, Oliver? Uh, no, no, not at all. Thank you very much for the really nice introduction. I really appreciate it. You know, it's uh, flattering to hear all of this. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's also great to uh, see you again, you know, and that you, you're still in um, the, the Web3 crypto world. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're, you're definitely an old hand now. And um, I really like the podcast too, by the way. I think it's very professional, you know, so kudos, kudos to you. Appreciate it. Yeah, great to have you here. Yeah, it's going to be an we, interesting episode for sure, I think. Huh? Yeah, yeah, and we're breaking a little bit of the regular script. Um, so, Tim and I are going to do all the chit chat that we usually do because I think we're going to have a lot of content to cover. Um, mm -hmm. Sure. So, what we see right here, let me organize all my screens. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Oliver Muldoon, you can find him, all the links in the description, you can find him on LinkedIn. Um, most likely under the same name on Twitter. Yes, you are. Yes. And it's Telegram. <clears throat> I'm on Telegram too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not Oliver Muldoon. It's um, it's it's Oliver, and I think it's the first <laughs> seven yeah. digits high. Um, so three one etc. Yeah. Um, I will. Uh, <clears throat> I can put. I can send that over to you. No problem. The, the Twitter handle was indeed Oliver and then a bunch of numbers. Yeah, I noticed. All right, okay. Yeah, so what we have here is who is Oliver Muldoon and the newsletter. We're going to combine these. Um, I, I did a little bit of the introduction and, yes. and, 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 and what I did not share was your, your path into, uh, into the Web3 space for lack of a better, uh, better term. And yes. I'm curious if you want to, um, yeah, Share your story on this. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so, as you mentioned, um, I started um, my uh, working life um, working for various law firms. Some of which were magic uh, law firms. Uh, some of which were second tier. Um, and uh, it was because I was working uh, with all of these um, lawyers that uh, Bank of America contacted me and asked me to work for their legal department. Uh, to manage the relationship between the banks, uh, to bank and these law firms, which um, they, they, the reason why they picked me to do this was because I had so much experience. I knew how much they were charging. Um, I knew their internal processes mm -hmm. and uh, I managed to establish a system anyway, which saved them uh, quite a lot of money up to, mil up to millions of dollars um, mm -hmm. because I was automating their uh, retention of outside counsel um, process, which until then had been manual. <laughs> Um, so they were able to negotiate discounts on advice and and understand what all the lines of businesses were all the lines of business were doing, which before then had been very difficult to uh, keep tabs on with the manual system they had in place. And so they they promoted me to assistant vice president, which is what they do when they don't want to give you more money um, mm -hmm. and they want to give you something. So I just I, I just took that, um, but uh, I didn't get too carried away with it. And then the 2007 financial crisis hit um, just out of nowhere. I mean, at first it started with a credit crunch. Uh, the first uh, in inclination that 
this was going to be a, a terrible momentous event was when I looked at the lawyers and they were standing around doing nothing. Uh, I asked them why and they said, well, none of the banks are lending to each other. Um, and uh, so, you know, we've got no work to do. And then I think I think I could see the writing on the wall, but, you know, I didn't really understand even at that stage, you know, what was going to happen. I didn't understand the problem with collateral debt obligations. This was a completely different line of business. I was working in legal. Um, um, and then not long after, I went to the uh, the window of my office and I looked out and I could see um, Lehman Brothers employees walking out with their um, brown boxes and their personal belongings. And um, I realized uh, that something terrible was happening. Later transpired that Bank of America were considering buying Lehman Brothers, but pulled out the last minute to buy Merrill Lynch instead. And I think the, the, the fee was $50 billion. And I, 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 do, I do know that uh, the Federal Reserve um, also bailed out Bank of America because it's you know too big to fail. And then I realised that I was working for some kind of uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say scam, but I certainly became, <laughs> I just I just I just thought this is shocking. You know, if I run a business and if it fails, you know, the government isn't going to uh, give me any handout. I'm not too big to fail. I just I just felt like it was um, wrong. I think that you know, the banks should have been allowed to fail, um, and um, and then we could have a look at a hard look at the existing financial system and uh, and rebuild. Um, but instead, um, the taxpayer money was spent on um, you know maintaining this outdated and antiquated system, which um, excludes people, um, you know from participating and I just thought all right I just had enough of this this is not the dream that was sold to me when I was young um you know everyone said you know get a job in a bank be a doctor be a lawyer and you know I tried to go down that path but I realized that this was just you know never going to fulfill me and so I left and I went to go and live in Slovenia uh, my ex-wife she is uh, Slovenian and uh, we decided to go and live there together because we'd always gone on holiday there and it was like a nice place. And we thought, why not live where you're on holiday? Um, managed to land a job um, working as the head of English for the Slovenian government. Um, I sent off like 400 applications and, you know, I was very lucky to get that job. I had an imposter syndrome for quite a long time. Mm. Um, I was uh, talking, I was uh, working with the president and the prime minister, helping with their speeches, press releases, um european court of human rights observations um anything in written form had to go through me uh, before it was published and um the last thing i did there was the coalition agreement for the incoming prime minister who promptly fired me afterwards uh, to get his own english guy <laughs> in um, no good deed goes unpunished no good deed goes unpunished <laughs> i did I, I did work hard for those guys and i really tried my best but uh you know it was uh, it's very difficult, you know, because they have idioms that we don't have. And so if you literally translate them, you know, they don't make any sense. And so it was uh, quite an interesting insight into the <laughs> Slovenian as well. You know, I, there's some crazy examples of that. Um, and I became a uh, TV commercial actor um, in Slovenia, which uh, is not as grand as it sounds. Um, I always played a husband, a father or a businessman. Um, and it was uh, at one of these commercials uh, that was introduced to the uh, owner of Bitstamp, the world's oldest cryptocurrency exchange, as they like to say. 
mm. uh, longest standing, should I say. There were mm. obviously Mount Gox and others um, TikTok. who uh, TikTok, yeah. <laughs> um, and this was the first time I'd heard about Bitcoin. And you know, Satoshi Nakamoto, he sat me down, explained all this. I told him my background at Bank of America, the reason why I'd left. And he said, You know, you, you, did you know that you can now become your own bank? I was like, What? I could not believe it. I just got chills and he explained it. And uh, I, I started working as head of content there. I was there for the listing of Ethereum's back in 2015. Um, and uh, and that was due to huge pressure from Ethereum um, coin holders who were um, just pressuring Bitstamp to please list because at that time it was, it was you know, a Bitcoin exchange really only. Um, necessarily, obviously, um, but it, it, there were some maxis who were very unhappy with it, but it went through in the end. It was just inevitable. And that started my journey into what we would call now Web3 or the semantic web or crypto worlds, metaverse. Mm. I mean, mm. there's all these terms to describe it, you know, mm. uh, what's happened to us now. So, yeah, and um, I worked on various communities. I started working with Hive Terminal. Um, as an independent contractor for all of these uh, um, communities. And it was there that I went through my first bull run um, with the community, 2017, December, um, and then to the January 2018, it was awful. From he uh, hero to zero, and oh, it's just horrific. Um, and that's where I learned most of my community building techniques at the coal furnace, basically um tried a few ideas tested them out but one thing i realized you know, during my time at hype terminal was it was possible to harness a community to work towards a common goal and not to rely on centralized intermediaries for our success which i thought was a fundamental aspect of bitcoin um and i could see that that did work in um in, in a community setting as well um outside of that um area so when i when i um when I started trying and testing these ideas, I started to get the, the basics of a, uh, a methodology in place. And um, in subsequent communities, I was, I was the global community manager for NEM, which at one point was um, quite a, a, big, a big deal. Um, back in, it was, I think it, it predates Ethereum as a blockchain 2014. It was established, NEM? you said. Yeah, predates right. Ethereum. Um, so they were huge. And uh, I think they were, you know, to put it in coin market cap terms, they were ranked four at one point. Um, but um, you know, the, the it was a layer one protocol, and uh, they wanted to uh, upgrade that, so they launched a new uh, blockchain called Symbol. And um, I was there for the first couple of months. I was there for the launch of that, and um, and then managed its transition to to what it became was a technocracy. At that point, it was. Um, it became less of a, um, a democratic, open and inclusive community uh, necessarily, actually. You know, it needed um, direction and guidance and developer focus. And so I managed that transition. And um, I like to think I replaced myself there as well with some people um, who were um, better than me in many ways, which fits with my idea of self-replication, which we might talk about later. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and um, and then um, I've been advising on other projects since then, um, just really to try to make sure that they implement um, um, an ethical, meritocratic um, system which encourages growth 
and um, and doesn't focus on speculation because really in my experience you know a lot of communities that do focus on speculation become um, ghost towns during bear markets you know when you remove um, you know the financial interests you know mm. often there's nothing left yeah. um, and uh, I, I just thought that these ideas um, that are emerging in this space are just too precious um, to not be protected by a strong methodology. So I just spent all my time trying to think of that and speaking to people and learning from them. Uh, so yeah, that brings me basically up to date. Wonderful. What a journey. Did you yeah. did, did you did you just say that you met Satoshi Nakamoto? Did you, did you say that? Oh no, no. <laughs> No, I, I no, saw no. I, I saw Tim's face the first time you said it, and then I heard it the second time, and then I felt my face oh. doing that that thing. Oh no! I, I, okay. Please, I, I really hope I didn't say that. Um, I was introduced <laughs> to the concept, you know, to who yeah. he was as a person, like, um, you know, like, who was he? Did he, you know, Bitcoin, you know, the whole thing. I, I had no idea until I met um, the owner of Bitstamp. His name's uh, his name's Nate Codrich. Um, and uh, he explained everything to me. Um, obviously, I don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. Um, <laughs> I um, hope you accidentally say. misspoke, but... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did, I apologize. Um, but you she, she you said it so up. casually, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, no, 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 welcome no, to all our style of interviewing. Uh, this is for <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I mean, so it's kind of your, your start of Bitstamp kind, kind of coincided then with the entire start of Web I mean, that's yeah. around 2015. That yeah. entire concept of moving between webs also started around that time, 2013, 2014. So, yeah, oh, this is kind yeah. of in for a long episode, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, I, great yeah. background. It's uh, I'm talking to the head of English of the Slovenian government here. The former uh, head yeah. of English. <laughs> well. You I, yeah. I felt like I was uh, an imposter in that role, to be honest. Um, I was there for two years, and um, that was interesting and, that you say that you said imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, because um, I mean, you know, you should always. I, I was always doubting myself. I was always doubting. Mm. You know, this really the way it said. You know, um, you know, second guessing myself. You know, so I was always, mm. you know, checking, finding, you know, evidence to back up my point. It was actually good preparation for a life in crypto because, you know, I think that there isn't really enough of a focus on substantiating your point, you know, in, in interaction. Sure. Um, very often on discords, links will be disabled necessarily because of security concerns, but it makes mm. it so much more difficult for people to put a link and say, this is what I read and this is why I think what I do, you yeah. know. Um, but uh, yeah, um, that's a big interest of mine as well, uh, trying to make sure that communities interact in the right way, positively, constructively. Yeah. Um, I think you guys know as much as I do that there are so many communities out there that don't do that. Mm. Um, not necessarily because they don't want to, it's just, you know, they don't know how to maybe, you know, so I'm hoping to fix that in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to fix that, you started a newsletter and the three articles that we will be discussing um, are on handling logical fallacies, self-replications and organizational hierarchies. And yes. the organizational hierarchies, you already lifted the tip of the veil in your introduction because you, you already named three, the technocracy, the... Democracy. Democracy yeah. maybe I mentioned as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's, um, there's, mili there's plutocracies, 
military yeah. hierarchies, you know, um, all sorts of different hierarchies that don't necessarily aren't necessarily restricted to um, Web3 communities, of course, yeah. you know, just yeah. Yeah, the nature of communities generally. Um, but um, yeah, I just thought it was important to, you know, take a look at, at what these hierarchies are and, mm. and understand when you're in one. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people say, well, you know, this is a decentralized community, but there's a, uh, you know, an authoritarian hierarchy in place, you know, a chain of command, you know, uh, mm. yeah, they talk about decentralization of power and, you know, empowerment of the individual, but um, mm. you know, there's always somebody at the top who has to kind of approve everything. So you just, you know, and sometimes, you know, people don't necessarily know that. So I just thought it'd be wise just to set out all the different um, hierarchies um, that exist in society and culture so that people can um, better understand how to navigate them. And also the reasons why they're implemented, uh, because sometimes they are implemented for a good reason, you know, in, 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 a, in a situation where it's all going crazy, you might want to revert to something more authoritarian, you know, yeah. because you just want to make you just want to retain control um but it has to be explained you know and uh, has to be justified and you know you know community people people in the community are not stupid you know they'll they'll look at something and if there's an objective but reasonable argument you know you're likely to get support even for difficult measures um and um and i just think that you know we're encountering a huge sea change in the way that we're organizing ourselves there is a, a move towards um user control and I think that we need as much information out there as possible to try to help people navigate it and also to start discussions about it. Because um, yeah. I sometimes think that, you know, the, the supporters and uh, those against various ideas don't actually talk much. They just sort of... <laughs> well, they, they, talk, they talk, they don't communicate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, just talk at each other and it's all ego and, you know, they don't want to concede ground and you, you it's, it, it ends up being like a debating society at university. Yeah. You yeah. watch it, they, you know, and then you come away and you think, well, we never really got to the answer, did we? <laughs> no, nothing changes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's then the reason why you create it and I'll, I'll share my screen. You created this, the community building newsletter. Yeah, yeah. People, people can get there from your LinkedIn. Um, you can you can subscribe to this, um, and this is where where Oliver posts all the articles. Um, you have a pretty high output, by the way. I realized because when, when when I saw your first article, I invited you to come on the show. Like, okay, this is interesting, and that was two weeks ago. And by now, you're five articles in. So. <laughs> That's, uh, that's crazy output if you look at the by the way people everybody pause the video and, and go click on, on the articles and go, go, go read this because this is such understandable English it is in my opinion very well built it is very understandable um, nice illustrations very nice build up good arguments and it's all um, relevant and it's all been tied to real life examples for all of them. And I think I'm um, just reading, if you just go read the first one and, and you're not addicted, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but this, this is just crypto community discussion. One-on-one -on -one. appeal to pity, the straw man, hypocrisy, appealing all those things. Um, yeah, it, it, it is wonderful. Oh, well, thank you very much. And thank you very much for the plug. Uh, I really appreciate yeah. that. That's very kind of you. Um, yeah. I mean, 
often people will be in a conversation in a community and they'll think there's something quite there's something wrong there's a, there's something wrong with uh, what this guy said to me but i can't quite pin down what it is um and it might be because that they're using a circular argument you know um the premise is stated in this in the statement itself and you know and you you just need to be able to learn sometimes how to how to identify that and you know and to and to mention it to to the person who's making the comment and say you know you you've just committed a logical fallacy here can we perhaps strengthen your argument steel man it if you like so that we can um you know answer that as effectively as possible so take a more constructive and collaborative approach to somebody's objection don't just dismiss them out of hand and say you don't know what you're talking about because i think it should be an educational process learning how to debate how to present an argument how to have the humility to concede a point when you're wrong as well and that's very difficult because you're often in front of you know hundreds or thousands of people um, many of whom are following the conversation and people don't like to lose face but i think that in the interest of the collective it's better and it's stronger i don't know i, I think it's stronger to say actually i was wrong there um thank you for correcting me and you know we can you know make this idea better but i think that there's a lot of posturing um perhaps there's a lack of responsible taking responsibility and accountability for your points of view um and that ties into the anonymity question as well crypto which some unfortunately abuse um even though i believe it's a necessary aspect of web3 and so should be preserved um but um yeah there are some issues with the way that people talk to each other and um and i mean i think that you saw evidence of that when we were in the quant community together um yeah. it felt like um butting heads and that the um the points that i were making which i was making weren't really being acknowledged particularly in fact i think that it was actually interpreted as fud yeah um, which is something I would like to talk about as well, you know, FUD, the concept of that, you know, um, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know. I think personally it's good. You know, if somebody is fearful, uncertain or doubtful about something, yeah. I'd like to hear about it. Yeah. I want to know. We, yeah. we spoke about this on the Confi show a, a bunch oh. of times, right? FUD is like this blanket statement um, to, in our opinion, um, just shut people up and move on from from a certain topic either yeah. because they do not have the answers and don't want to admit it that they don't know um mm. or, or they're indeed feeling threatened right like somebody's coming in to push down price or or some other uh reason and and a, a, a lot of these questions uh we agreed after like the the last correct lung thing with the token supply that there comes a point where a community is so large and and so developed that even if something like a discrepancy in token supply and and which is being discussed in in a very tight community right football community is about what three four k members probably a, a lot less active and yes they they own a lot of tokens but debating a token discrepancy will not influence price anymore it, it will be a drop in a bucket eventually because it will all get so big and it gets more decentralized as it more distributes more right so mm -hmm. but but the fear is still there right because a lot of those people that like the the, the older admins let's let's keep it broad 
they have been there since 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. back when they held approximately 100% of the circulating supply. And if then something like, like an Oliver Modun came in with a question about the, uh, the validity or the believability or the trustworthiness, whatever, that could in fact maybe influence, um, let's call them weaker hands into selling that could cause a cascading effect. Right. right now, I mean, it's 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 not the same anymore. This is also what you write in your article, I think, um, because it, it's people stand still in time. Oftentimes, right? They 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 they, they join at a certain time. You see that in the military. That's my experience. People still live in a day and age when they got their boot camp, and they keep doing things the way they do because they always did it that way. And for a lot of yeah. things, that works. But yeah. if you are in a community, something like crypto or investing. I mean, mm-hmm. things change quickly and everybody acknowledges that. But then we, in a way, choose not to modify our behavior at the same pace, which, which, is, which is odd. Yeah, it is odd. You know, um, you know when there's a financial element uh, or interest in place, it does tend to cloud people's judgments sometimes. Mm. So... Um, you know, you just have to acknowledge this. And there's a necessary aspect of, of life in Web3. Uh, tokens have a price. Um, but really, um, I believe that the conversation should be always steered towards the utility of a token rather than the price aspect. Um, because, you know, if you start talking about the price, then it becomes, the, the conversation becomes pretty mundane um, and, um, and boring. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it also just depends completely on factors outside of your control. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the price of a token can go up and down, even if you're having a great community, everything is going well and you're producing content, you're helping each other grow and develop your mentoring. You know, um, so you know, it's really important to move away that focus away from the price and towards the utility. Um, you know, without utility in the token, it becomes a zero sum game. Uh, people buy tokens and, um, you know, then they sell them onto people who are buying later. Unless there's utility for the token, unless the business itself is is using the token as part of the ecosystem in a substantial way, um, it's... Um, it's it's very it's very difficult, you know, to uh, to create a, a real genuine sense of community because people are going to get dumped on, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that was always my focus, you know, is just where's the utility? Is there utility? It's like the holy grail. Um, and it's very rare to find, you know, really very difficult to find. So I think that's why the conversation focused on that. When I was there, I was like, you know, how is the token being used in the ecosystem? And I think there was some resistance to explaining this. Um, and, and I think I can understand why. Because um, if you know where the token's moving in the system, when you can predict buys, you know, for the treasury from exchanges, then that gives an opportunity to speculators to perhaps profit from it. Um, and But that wasn't the intention behind my question. I just wanted to have as much transparency into that process as possible because I really wanted to find a utility token that worked, really. Yeah. 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 It, was an, uh, it was an interesting day. And... Yeah. The, the 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 counter arguments, right? Let, let's call them that, that, that came up. And I'll be sharing my screen here for a bit. Um that in 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 my memory, 
they all fell under the things you the topics you discussed in your community building and the logical fallacies article right and you have a couple of main categories right so you start with what is a logical fallacy and i'd yeah. love for you to explain that in a bit um, and then you got the summary right so we have the fallacy of distraction reasoning credibility um, and then in your article you come uh, with some uh, fallacies in day-to-day -day life and what i'm curious about if you can um, sum up, I, I just named it the top five most dangerous, prevalent, easy to solve, notable, blah, blah, blah. Um, what are the most common what, logical fallacies that you encountered in crypto? Maybe in, in that uh, quant community discussion, because people can actually uh, read back if, if they are interested. Um, but if you can start off with what is a logical fallacy, um, that would be very interesting. And it will give us a lot of... Uh, new ground to uh, to cover to debate okay all right no worries <laughs> well <laughs> um, a logical this fallacy. was actually a test we didn't tell you <laughs> <laughs> well i hope i passed um well a logical fallacy to my mind really um is a an obstacle that prevents a productive uh discussion um and they can take various forms um they can you know be distractions uh, there could be failures, failures of reasoning, and uh, appeals to authority, so credibility-related um, logical fallacies. Um, the reason why they're problematic is because sometimes they're not easy to identify. In school, we haven't actually been taught how to debate and argue. I mean, I certainly wasn't. I think it's it's rare to find um, and to apply critical thought to a uh, an idea. Is something which unfortunately the educational system doesn't really prioritize um, preferring instead um, you know to memorize things and you mm -hmm. know just regurgitate at appropriate moments collecting so, dots instead of connecting dots i mean i i, yeah. I did get it with the dutch education i received here so all the argument oh. i mean all the styles of arguments and argumentation how you should do that in a okay, higher education, but not no 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 no, no, no in high school in high school in high school. So really? when I was like 15, 16, yeah, we had to we had to do an enormous exercise on it, but I hated okay. it. Actually, I hated argumentation, so it was really refreshing to read everything. I was like, oh, that's how oh, it wow. works. Because years later, you forget about it, and I noticed that when I'm arguing with other people, I tend to fall for those logical fallacies that you mm. just mentioned. And yeah. it's, it's, you keep making that pitfall. At least that goes for me. Keep making the same mistakes, even though I learned it years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, continue your story. Well, I'm just glad to hear that somebody did get that education. Yeah, I yeah. Was glad. Uh, but I need to refresh I, I, her every I, now and I, didn't, I did not, by the way, in, in high school, but I did mm -hmm. get that extensively when I was uh, for my psychology education, right? But that's yeah. higher education. Higher and, education and, yeah. and that's where it was obviously like bread and butter. Um, mm -hmm. But but that has had probably to do with that Tim went to the gymnasium level of higher education, yeah. uh, sorry, yeah. high school, mm -hmm. whilst I was in the, um, how do you call that, middle? Mama, yeah, we have, like, call that? we have like three levels. So one is yeah. the most practical, we have like one middle level, which is kind of, uh, practical slash theoretical and then you have one level which is purely theoretical so I went through that the okay, most yeah. part 
Anyway, I had to do an exercise or at least kind of an assignment there where we had to analyze newspapers and then all the articles they put in it and we had to break down the entire argumentation structure. It was a hellish exercise. That is brilliant. We managed that. <laughs> and and, and, and anyway. Tim and I are 10 years apart, which also makes a huge, makes, huge difference. Absolutely. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I am also headache. 27. <laughs> Oh, right. Okay. We're all 27 tonight. Uh, crypto. Me too, right? me too. But I've been yeah. in crypto for a while. So, you know, yeah. obviously. No, just joking, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm really glad to hear that you actually um, had this education. And, um, and you know, it was interesting you say that because maybe there's more people out there who had um, that kind of education than I think, because um, I really don't see much evidence of it when I look through communities um even when i'm listening to people debating <laughs> online you know on various talk shows and stuff mm. you know i see a lot of these logical fallacies and they're broadcasting their failure to understand these logical fallacies on on television in front of millions of people it's like you know there doesn't seem to be a sense of shame about that and yeah um, but your mother wears a wig dude <laughs> yeah yeah you know just cheap shots you know like yeah. you know which are very effective yeah you know yes. it's, it's to take somebody out you know just say something well, a quick one-liner and you know it doesn't matter what they've said they're destroyed you know because everyone laughs and you know you've won um but you know we need to try to really you know figure out the real answer to various issues which emerge yeah. we need to be efficient we need to make sure that people feel heard and understood and valued with their contributions and that they can make their points as strongly as possible. Um, and I like to try to strengthen the arguments of my um, opponents, if you like, um, so that I can really make sure that I've, um, that I've understood correctly myself, you know, and yeah. change my mind if necessary. I, I'm curious because a lot of the... Um... A lot of the, the the fallacies you describe, right? Um, if 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 I am on 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 one end of it, um, to for instance admit you are wrong um, with something, yeah, um, I have no troubles with that. All right, the mm -hmm. mea culpa. Everybody makes mistakes. Sometimes we misinterpret something, um, and I am fine with um, taking an L for a bit because. To me, um, it doesn't feel like I'm undermining my authority or position or my, my manhood or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But a, prob a problem arises, and that is, um, I'm going to go a little bit into the hyperbole here. Um, some people are just exceedingly dumb, or they do not speak or read English well, or they are from a different culture. And that changes the whole battlefield, right? Because we are in communities and we are from all around the world. We don't know where mm -hmm. people are from. And, and if we're in an argument and, and, and I, I concede ground, right? I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, apologies, made a mistake. In my yeah. mind, this is just normal, common sense, fair, whatever you want to call it. But other people feel... Um, they should capitalize on that. They view that as a point of weakness because that is either part of their culture, part of their psychology, part of their intelligence, um, upbringing, whatever you want to call this. And, and that makes it very difficult because I, I read the article and 
a lot of the, the topics you covered to me made perfect logical sense. What I yes. learned as a psychologist that in conversations with, with specific cultures or um, with some people of, of, of specific intelligence, doing what is right can actually get your arse kicked because people will lose respect. People will lose, um, I think losing respect covers it mostly. Um, yeah. Same yeah. for, so, sorry for rambling on, same for their arguments to, towards me. If you try to, and that's what you ran into in the quant community, when you try to either um, build on their arguments, if they are moderately correct or could be in the right direction, or try to counter, um, it will not land, right? Because it is too, too, too intricate or too complicated. So looking then at the practical applicability of, 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 of these things, how, how, how do you see that, for instance, in Telegram groups? Because that's where most people um, most likely discuss their crypto stuff or Twitter, which is kind of the same. Yeah, well, you know, you raise some very valid points here. There are um, various factions in a community, you know, divided by um, culture, location, um, you know, interests, abilities to understand what you're talking about. Um, very often, um, my approach really is is just you know to um, apply uh, one approach for everyone. And um, and in cases, the inevitable cases where people, you know, capitalize on me admitting, you know, that I was wrong, for example, or you know, somebody from a different uh, culture to my own misinterprets my um, my admission as weakness. I I tend to rely on the the other people, you know, who are listening and who are mm. contributing, and um, and I, I leave it to to their better judgment as to as to who was right or or wrong. Um, and if I'm wrong, you know, so be it. You know, I wouldn't like to be a dictator. Um, and I can be wrong, of course, like everybody. So if that happens, then I'll accept it and, and change. Um, I did encounter that uh, with one community. I was um, working on Symbol and most of those uh, community members or a significant portion of them anyway are Japanese. Mm. Completely different approach to life and you know, communication and politeness and all this kind of thing. So I learned a lot just through that, but uh, I think it is important to uh, respect the fact, you know, that people don't necessarily speak English as the first language and, you know, there mm. will be communication issues. And, mm. uh, you know, I never criticized having learned languages myself. I know how difficult it is. So I'd never, yeah. you know, I, I think it takes a huge effort, you know, to to learn another language. Like you guys obviously speak English so well, like all the other, all the Dutch guys, you know, it's just, um, it's something to be commended. And, um, you know, these are all barriers to, to be overcome, uh, really. Um, yeah. and, and, and conversation is going to do that. Um, you know, if somebody's harsh to me, I would like if somebody else jumped in and said, you know, that might have been a little bit harsh on Oliver. Yeah. Or, you know, just let other people then talk and, you know, be objective yeah. and let everyone contribute. Yeah. Well, what, what I noticed, right, because I'm, I'm taking it back to the quant community argument again, um, yeah. because I, I knew the outcome and I knew how you handled that because the questions are asked you have the answers because in your behavior you showed that as long as you stay patient respectful ignore or uh, just 
gently address the how do you say the the, the wrong of, of 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 their communication and then just move on don't dwell on it right yeah um, just label it name it and 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 then move on with respect um that kind of counters a lot of things and it usually also turns around the uh, the hate in, in into a form of love right because if, if you don't fall for the bait and you yeah. acknowledge okay right you, you're doing this or that um, yeah yeah i mean i don't think unfortunately anyone there uh, started to love me uh and my questions uh maybe uh with the exception of I a did. Couple of people. well yeah. thank you thank you yeah. I no, 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 but, no man but, but what was the thing and that's why i wanted to talk to, to you about this is the way you handled that because you got attacked and and in my opinion you did you did almost everything right you got yeah. attacked from so many different fronts with so many different arguments and um staying calm and patient and then well as the crown of your work getting guilt on your hand in a way i think that's really important and i, I think that that, that 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 said a lot unfortunately it didn't change a lot of uh behavior um from, from certain people don't want to go there um but but changing behavior is difficult, right? And we spoke about this. Me being a psychologist, that's all about changing the behavior. The fallacies here. What we're talking about is is the expression um, of, of people's thoughts, right? So, yeah. so they're either cornered, or they're stumped, or they're just uh, imposter syndrome, or they're, they're they're just feeling dumb or whatever. They, yeah. they they try to express themselves because they don't want to say okay I, I I cannot do this anymore I I'm out right I'm 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 done so so they're coming up with something to try and save face or discredit the other person um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's a very difficult job you know my sympathies go out to people who run communities I mean I've done it yeah. many times um, when you have somebody like me in your community who's just like pointing out things gently and as you say not getting offended and you know trying my best to maintain the conversation um if i was empathizing uh, with the people that i'm talking to um i can see how difficult it is because maybe for example you answer six or seven you know requests or comments or questions within like 10 seconds to 30 seconds then somebody else asks a question and you know it takes hours for a response you know and you know a community can quickly descend into chaos in that time and it becomes extremely difficult to manage it so what do you do you know very often people just take the easy option and just say let's just kick this guy out you know so that you know we can breathe yeah. regroup and i understand that um but just probably the most there is probably other ways of doing it and i just suggest that there should be some sort of forum you know where you have a, a google form and you know submit questions uh, the difficult ones which you know which need answering and then publish a blog on a medium post and just say you know these are the answer to the question we could yeah. not answer these ones because of these reasons and people would be very okay with it and it would, it would relieve the pressure on the moderators because actually i, I yeah. sympathize with that that's uh, that's a good little tip or piece of feedback if you're running your own community or you have a project right and you're running your own community um that could be a, a very useful option and, and 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 to to build on your your previous argument i think what actually happens is a lot of the time is people keep doing what works right mm-hmm. so um in the beginning everybody's patient you're doing your best to educate but after the 50th guy walks in 
when gateways when moon and it starts to sound like that in your brain yeah and, and you learned that if you're just being blunt or just send hashtag dior um yeah. i mean the, pe the people will go away right and because and, and, and at a certain point in time that is just a goal just to get the weight off the shoulder just brush it off and and and, and that's i don't know how you call it in english afgestompt tim Dumb down. Um, getting getting numb getting numb Get it, i yeah. think eventually just getting numb right it's yeah same question over and over ad nauseum um yeah th then we resort to to what works instead of what people need right so we start yeah. emphasizing and we just throw everybody on the same pile like oh there, there's another one of those retards um <laughs> yeah it's yeah, I mean, I've, I've been in the admin groups and, and, and not, not only quant community, I've been running several communities and that's just what happened. Oh, look at this motherfucker. Oh, there's another one of those dumb ones. And, yeah. and it, it's, it's all projections, everybody in the same pile because of the way somebody asks a question and they do not take to regard whether somebody is actually English or somebody whatever and they just go yeah. with what works. And the thing is with, with quants it's kind of crystallized so the people coming into the quant community telegram they are they're not that dumb necessarily so you, <laughs> when, when people start asking questions it's usually more of a technical matter but for example now in i'm also in some other crypto telegrams uh where things are well uh a bit more unclear for example with galileo for example or uh bit tensor tau so those cryptos aren't listed I mean, BitTensor is listed now on Maxi, I think, and Galileo is about to be listed on LCX and Uniswap. But then you see just people coming into the chat, and the first thing they do is when listing, when staking, and that's the only thing they ask. I would get, I would get numb very easily. I think can you imagine with the the the, the community admins in the Quant group who've been there since like 2018 that had to deal with all that stuff. Yeah. Then they've passed that stage, and it just continues and continues. So I have a lot of respect for those admins. But Cycles. to yeah. get back to your uh, point, uh, Oliver, there are better ways to do it, and I think you should look at it. <laughs> but oh, yeah. just I have had so many moments in the past month or so that I just wanted to delete Telegram because the sheer stupidity, stupidity on there. It's yeah, it's, it, it, it's difficult. Yeah. yeah, because it's so relentless, as you said, you know, and, um, you know, it's every day the same question. So I, I, I realized this was a problem and I realized that the, the, the root of the problem was that um, people were not um, self-motivated. They weren't um, proactive. They were reliant on centralized sources of information and uh, intermediaries. So they would come and say, you know, can you please tell us, can you please tell us the answer is literally the line above you know and they haven't cared to do that they want to take someone's time and this is like Big a message I, well, bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i think this, yeah this is this is what i would call a web 2 mentality and this yeah. is um this is what we find um as a result of you know the rise of social media and you know complaining to a customer service and this culture of um you know um entitlement you know, and I think really think that Web3 is a an antidote to that um, with, um, you know, all about being 
all being about decentralization of power and taking on personal responsibility for your future and your decisions and your actions. You know, if there is a problem, there is no customer service department. You should have done the research. Um, you should have, um, you know, backed your own judgment. Don't do something because somebody tells you to. This is something we learned at school. Um, and it's an empowering feeling to take that responsibility for yourself. Um, but that mentality is, is completely lacking in most Telegram groups. Um, but I think that it just needs to be adopted. Um, and it just needs... Oops. Mm. Uh, my uh, phone is unfortunately running out of battery. Um, so I might have to uh, plug myself in at some point. But um, okay. yeah, it's, 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 it's a Web3 mentality, I think, that's required for people uh, to make sure that they can handle the challenges and obstacles that come with this environment. Uh, finding information, um, acting on that information yourself, checking its reliability, uh, don't trust, verify. Um, these concepts are, are something which are completely alien to most people. They just don't even yeah. think about it uh, because they think it's the same as Web 2, and yeah. it's not. You know? yeah. while, while Web 2 is arguably more dangerous than Web 3 because the trust is blind. Most <laughs> websites you come across you cannot verify really ownership. You don't know who's behind it, what they're doing. I mean, that's one of the one of one of the fatal mistakes, right? That's the security thing. So, it, it, technically, you, you, I mean, we're all comfortable with Web Web Two, but we should distrust that even more because you cannot truly verify whom you're dealing with, or, or, or am I misunderstanding? Um, well, maybe I, I didn't explain it very well, but um, as far as I understand it, Web2 um, is all about giving up your personal data and, and not being paid for it. You know, you have companies like Facebook and Google who monetize that data for you. And we just sit back and we just accept that as just a, a fact of life. Um, it's all free. It's all free. We can all yeah, use it's all free. free. Um, <laughs> and we don't feel... Um, like embedded in the uh, the future um, prospects of Facebook or or Twitter or 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 other you know organizations like this, but we can feel like that in a Web three environment where we contribute to its decision making, its governance, and um, and its ideas and policies, and become friends with the people there. It's more interactive, and um, it gives people a, a greater sense of um, personal agency. And I think mm. that that's the biggest difference that people need to overcome. Now we have this Web 2.5, which um, uh, interacts with um, social media and makes it a, a better user experience. I think that's a really good stepping stone. But I think the people who profit most from a Web 3 environment are people who um, are able to handle poor user um, interface experiences, um, who um, are resourceful and can find information without having to ask people and wait for information to be sent to them. They can just Google it. And it's these people, the proactive ones, the hunters, if you like, who go out there and actually try to improve themselves. Web3 is perfect for people like that. But unfortunately, most people are not like that. You know, most people are just like, give me the information. When moon? When marketing? When are you going to do things for me? Instead yeah. of when am I going to do things for myself, you know, and that's that's yeah. the biggest problem actually. I think with this transition, and yeah. so it requires a me a mentality, a, an approach, just to just handle that. 
Interesting. In order to understand what Web3 is, um, we really need to compare and contrast it with uh, Web2, what we're actually engaged in now. Um, mm. Web2 was, you know, a revolution. You know, for the first time, we could self-publish content. Uh, we could interact with each other in a, in a variety of ways. And then Web3, as people, as a lot of people call it, is more about a decentralization of power um, and transferring ownership to the user. Um, and some people who are conditioned to using Web2 platforms like you know, Twitter, Facebook, you know, Google, all these big uh, corporations, they're used to passively um, sitting back and just sort of waiting for things to happen. Um, with the technology that they're using um, and, you know, complaining if it's not up to scratch and just kind of having a very entitled attitude to life. And I think it's just been a bit of a, uh, a problem in society generally. Um, you know, people often, it, it encourages a little bit of a victim culture in a lot of ways, mm. I think, which I really don't think fits with this web three world where we're trying to encourage people to take personal responsibility um, for their for their online safety for their security um, for you know even holding their assets not your keys not your coins etc you know so this this web three world requires a different mentality that that works in a web two world and it's very difficult to find people who who have that naturally and um, you know it's something that can be taught but it is definitely, I think, an advantage to have this approach to finding information for yourself, going out there and, you know, finding solutions to your own problems, researching yourself. Um, if something goes wrong, take responsibility for it. If something goes well, take credibility for it. Credit, should I say. Um, and, um, you know, there is no customer service department. There's, there's, nowhere, there's nowhere we can just complain and say, I want, you know, my money back i mean it's decentralized this is the idea that there isn't a central resource that you go to um so we have to try to find that the right balance for that at the moment web3 is is described as decentralized but it, in reality it really isn't um it can't it's be. not even distributed <laughs> yeah i mean there's plutocracies forming obviously you know um and you could say it's like fiat 2.0 you know in a, in a lot of ways um, but that's why it's, it's important for this, this mentality to be adopted by uh, the people who are in these communities, because I believe that can pave the way for um, the technical reality to be more possible. Um, I mean, that's all we can do as, as communities. You know, we have the blockchain, the blockchain trilemma, um, you know, scalability, uh, security and um, decentralization. You know, you have to you have to compromise one of those uh, three things uh, at all times. So, how do we scale up to the mainstream, um, maintaining all of those aspects? One has to fall. Um, and now there are many projects which are you know attempting to uh, solve that, like Algorand, for example. I noticed, um, but it comes with a lot of caveats. Um, and you know, it's 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 a it's a, it's a difficult thing, you know. And I just yeah. hope that you know some of the valid critics of Web three can be answered in time. But at the moment, it's still very much like a, a work in progress. But we need people with the right mentality to um, to 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 succeed and thrive in this in this environment. Yeah, at, at the risk of derailing, but talking about about decentralization, right? And 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 looking at Bitcoin as you alluded to earlier. Bitcoin is 
is is is is daddy decentralized, right? It has no initial um, founder that that is known, right? So it yeah. got, it it got decentralized, distributed from 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 the start. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, if there's and, no CEO, yeah, no marketing yeah, department. Exactly. So shutting it down becomes infinitely more difficult. All the other projects, as you said, are centralized in a way, right? They got started uh, by Vitalik Buterin or by whomever. And how would you see, would it even be possible for a project to, to become totally decentralized? Would it be legally a possibility to say for Vitalik or whatever, all right, I'm, I'm stepping away, I'm dropping everything. The core team also needs to drop away. Everything, if you want a full decentralization, all central aspects of control need to retire and we need to then give the power to the people. That's a really interesting topic. You know, I don't have all the answers, um, um, but I would say that it's not possible to fully decentralize from a centralized origin. Um, I think Bitcoin managed it by not having a leader, um, by um, the whole thing operating with or without the establisher. Um, and, you know, from a practical point of view, is that likely to happen in Web3 communities? I would say no. Um, there will always be a centralized interest in there. Um, but I still feel as if you know, it's so much empowering the individual, um, allowing uh, the individual to um, participate in this brave new world um, is, is so important um, that it, decentralization should be pursued as much as possible. It comes with risks and it should be done gradually as well. Um, there needs to be structures uh, in place that, uh, that make sure that it's done properly. Um, <clears throat> Uh, it's it's obviously a challenge for people because people don't feel comfortable <laughs> with uh, conceding um, power and operational responsibility to others necessarily because you know it's their it's their baby it's their you know it's it's something that they really are yeah. deeply invested in personally probably and um, so you know but I th I just think it, it's a worthy goal and um, and it actually mm. supercharges the community as well because when you find purpose and meaning. In life and honestly a lot of people in many of these communities are looking for that mm -hmm. um a community can give you it and um and if you can take responsibility for the success of your friends around you who all have a common shared interest and goal it's uh it's, it's an amazing thing and it's something yeah. that people generally want to be part of um so why not create the conditions for that to, to happen and i think that that is core to the idea of web3 if we're following the definition of the term so that's just yeah. my view on it I, I, I feel there's 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 two questions right that that, that arise. I mean, I, I think decentralization is important. I think it can help with a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. um, but as you said, most things will be created centralized in a way, also because people want credit or 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 not. But they're always is an entity that starts something, right? And, and Bitcoin started in dark. There was nothing, and then there was Bitcoin. So they could have built that for like five or ten years. They could could even spoke with people about it 
nobody knew what it would be or what it could become um and and then just disappear into the shadows but now if you create a new project when will a community will because that, that's my first question when is something decentralized enough that's one and the second question will be when can that be achieved i mean if we look at the quant community right now let's say there's 120,000 holders is that significantly large enough to say perhaps hypothetically okay let's 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 decentralize decision making etc will the company then survive thrive or die and I mean, there is there, there is a, 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 a canting point, if that's the right word, but it's very, very risky because you're going to need to have a certain critical mass of people willing and able to sustain operations, um, start initiatives, and, and, and then you also get the problem of decision-making. I can remember that they wanted to create a quant DAO and they created like this, um, this vault and they created a decentralized voting system mm. um, with, I forgot all these terms already, but getting critical mass for people to make decisions, even in, in, in crypto, right? Connecting your ledger and then voting rights with a quadratic voting system. People were just too scared to connect their wallet. People didn't dare to, to interact, to vote. I was one of the seven people that actually contributed. So the quant community wasn't ready for decentralization. But when a company gets bigger, is there then still a motivation when people earn money to say, okay, we need to let go, we need to decentralize. And is there then a willingness because all the people in the community before that were followers is there a willingness to take over the scepter and 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 do everything themselves? And and will it then thrive, survive, or die? Right. So that there's a lot of difficulty, uncertainty. Yeah, there's a lot and, of issues and, to unpack. Yeah, sure. yeah. And I also don't have the answers. I don't expect any of us to have the answers, but the question how much decentralization will then be needed or is required or is desirable, I think is also extremely interesting to, to see. I mean, listening to Gilbert, he calls his project Overledger a hyper-decentralized supercomputer with the gateways where he connects everything and eventually you're going to get a consensus through the gateway system, blah, blah, blah. But yes, there will always be a central entity quant, and that is what makes them um, attractive to banks, governments, um, etc. Because there is a centralized authority that they can sue <laughs> or, yeah. or, or or whatever, and and that's a liability thing that um, the, mm -hmm. the board of directors require, right? Will mm -hmm. everybody go on public Ethereum? They're using Hyperledger. Why? Control. They need to obfuscate. As you said in the beginning, what is going on? You cannot have everything on blockchain because everything will become predictable. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you, we raised a lot of interesting points. So I think one of the first points you raised was like only seven people contributed to the uh, the DAO that you mentioned. Yeah. You were one of them. 
and because Absolutely. people were scared to connect their wallets. Is that yeah, right? Most likely, most likely, yeah. Well, I think that this is a UX problem, a user experience problem, you know, and you 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 are web three savvy as much as the next as much as the next man. And you know, I know that if if you're doing it, yeah, that's great. But we need to access the mainstream here and try to make it mm. as easy as possible for people to do it. That's the first thing I'd say. Second thing I'd say is that <clears throat> it doesn't it 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 doesn't have to happen like at breakneck speed. And there are certain uh, topics and tasks that could be done in the uh, short term, like just you mm. know talking about things on social media, maybe volunteering for moderation. Um, maybe um, producing content, you know, writing an article, a thought piece, you know, um, maybe joining a podcast and, you know, setting one up like what you did. Like I would, ex I would say that what you've done with Tim is a really fine example of decentralization of community building because, you know, this is quant based, although I know it's not limited to that and you discuss things outside of the concept, but, you know, you're self-starters, you're activated, you did this on your own. In my opinion, um, you know, you embody a Web3 mentality um, and, you know, this is a this is decentralization of power. You know, there could be a podcast, an official quant podcast. Would they be able to discuss the topics that you are able to? No. Is that a good thing? I think so. You know, I think it is good to have um, objective opinions, you know, aired, you know, and so if somebody disagrees you, they can do so publicly and we can, you know, come to some kind of solution and find common ground. Um, so decentralization in that respect is a good thing. But then there are drawbacks, you know, um, it's clunky. It's unwieldy sometimes to have so many people having to decide on everything <clears throat> at all times. You know, where do you draw the line? I think we still have to try to find that out. The other aspect yeah. is, meritocracy you need to make sure that the um the community are um arranged meritocratically um because it encourages um people to um, improve themselves you can be sure that the the best people are in the best positions um and then you know you have to be wary of people's time you know you know they have to absolutely love what they're doing you know, to in order for this to work, and you have to find the most um, hardworking, committed, and passionate people, and use those people as a basis to grow. Um, and the decentralization shouldn't be forced; it should be natural, and it shouldn't feel scary. Of course, I don't think it should ever jeopardize the long-term stability of a project, um, but it is a worthy goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I, I think those are really firm points, and especially time-wise. I feel that some projects want to rush the decentralization bit, right? They want to yeah. go from, from, from being a startup to a decentralized entity uh, within five years. I think that's, uh, I mean, it's a noble goal, right? You need, you need lofty goals. That's the word lofty. Um, it's not necessarily realistic. Mm. Uh, yes. I mean, a, lo a lot can happen in five years, but for a startup, to become a healthy business within five years it's, uh, yeah it's a challenge it's a, and yeah ruling by committee doesn't always uh, produce the best results as well yeah. you know there yeah. Is, yeah there are some situations where it's merited um and not merited and i think that you know there just has to be um a level of pragmatism involved as well um yeah. i think it's important to take each case and i mean we're all still finding our way in this uh, 
in this area. So a lot of it is just, you know, testing to see what happens. Mm. Unfortunately, with many DAOs, plutocracies emerge because it's just a case of like, how many tokens do you have? And, you know, uh, decisions yeah. being made just by the wealthiest among us, that's a problem. Yeah. So we have to inc incorporate meritocratic elements to try to overcome that and, um, and make it like more, I would use the word equitable, make sure everyone yeah. can get involved. Yeah, Quant was actually working, well, not Quant, the DAO, working with a quadratic voting system with a token cap um, to make good. sure that um, if, if you have, for instance, say 10K tokens because you were early, that yeah. should not mean you have 10,000 votes. That would be preposterous. So there would be a quadratic um, and, and, and then a cutoff. So if right. you, you, you can never have more than like 100 votes i believe it, it came down to um and that would be similar to somebody um getting in later buying x amount of votes whatever going off top what what is interesting with this right and and, and, and we spoke about this, this before um the self-replication part so eventually especially if you're moving to decentralize um Self-replication could be could could be useful, and and this is your your second article. Yeah. Um, can can you explain what you mean by the self-replication? Sure. Oof. Okay, so probably this is my most controversial idea, um, but um, you know, when I was young, I used to have a book called The Chronicle, um, which was like a uh, a history of the twentieth uh, century. It was only up to about nineteen eighty five when I got it. Um, and I read it from cover to cover. And in that book, I, I saw lots of examples of people abusing power for long periods of time. Uh, Indira Gandhi, for example, uh, was one example. Uh, but then in more recent times, you had Robert Mugabe, you know, in power for such long periods of time that eventually um, the power corrupts. Um, I mean, Robert Mugabe started off as being relatively celebrated would you believe until he brought Zimbabwe into financial ruin through hyperinflation mm. and his policies which were awful um, and so I realized that there was a problem when you retain power for too long it corrupts you um, and um, and although there is always a need for a, a, some kind of leader um, I would encourage people to try to lead themselves um, as, as the first as the first option and not to rely on somebody to be a figurehead uh, to guide you through um, bad times, because ultimately, at the end of the day, you can only rely on yourself. Um, so that's one aspect. So remove the leadership burden from the actual leader to lead yourself, to try to stop the need for a leader. Because as again, Bitcoin, they don't have a leader. And I think it's one of the things that make them so successful. But we can't avoid that in uh, Web3 communities. There is always somebody who starts uh, but that person, I believe, shouldn't be uh, there for um, a significant length of time because as you become entrenched in a position, standards start to drop, um, you start to make bad decisions, uh, you may um, you know, start to be tempted by various aspects of, of the job which don't contribute to the benefit of the wider community. And so self-replication, to answer the question, <laughs> is about just replacing yourself uh, with somebody who's better than you um, and so that you can move on into, in the organization to do something else um, and allow the people below you to come up. You know, there's nothing worse than joining a community where everything's fixed and structured. You look up and you yeah. just see no way of progressing. Should be encouraged. 
and it helps decentralization of power as well and a mentoring culture teaching people you know the benefits are, are huge uh, but it's controversial people don't like doing that people are scared they're yeah. worried what's going to happen you know what, where will i go what will i do and i always tell them the same thing look if you can teach and train somebody to be better than you you are incredible like you're so valuable um and brave and it it just demands a huge amount of respect and so i would consider people like that who i find who do that they're they're like gold dust and um and i have managed to find uh, people like that luckily i'm very fortunate to have uh, found people who 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 have been able to replace me um in my position quite easily um so it's working um but yeah it's not for everyone uh, i have yeah, realized i i'd even argue right that a lot of times, I mean, there's there's plenty of examples um, where, where, where CEOs don't stay on very long, right? The average CEO has like a lifespan of, I believe it's three to seven years, something like that, because the, the CEO comes up with an idea. He's generally the founder of the company. He's like, okay, I want to do X, Y, Z. And then he is working to reach that goal. But he never knew that there was also A, B, C, D, and all these different tasks. And, and eventually the CEO will wear so many hats and, and there are so many jobs that he has to take on new people. If eventually there will come somebody that can do most of the things the CEO is doing better. And he has to realize that, right? But most people, are too proud, too ignorant to then recognize, okay, I built this. This is, this is now my baby. Is it finished? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But here's this other guy I just hired who's a fucking genius and he's better than I. Why not, if it's your baby, surrender your position and, and do something that you like? I, I have no examples. I mean, I love listening, for instance, to the Tim Ferriss show. I think he is a, he's a wonderful interviewer. He has a lot of very, very grand people in their field on his show. Mm -hmm. Never heard an example of this, but it makes so much logical sense to me that um, you, you run into problems eventually while, while entrepreneuring, is that a thing? <laughs> and, and, and and then realize that okay i, I now kind of built this but it, it doesn't suit me yeah um, and, and and most of the time people just leave i mean that happens a lot but for people yeah. taking a a, a a subordinate position in in the same company not really familiar if that would happen i would definitely do it right i, I could definitely just take a step back and do what i love rather than doing what I think I should be doing for, for some reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, for all my ideas, it's definitely the most controversial one. Um, a lot of people are saying, Oliver, you know, in reality, that just doesn't work, you know. And, um, and I say, well, you know, I'm trying to do it, you know, and, uh, you know, but it's still one of those things which I, I'm not really sure whether it is actually in human nature at all. You know, as you mentioned, there's... Um, oh, it's counter. It's definitely counter. 
But, yeah. but, but my question is always, why wouldn't it work, right? I mean, it, it, it sounds to me like, like it's an ego thing, right? You have something, you want to hold on to it. You don't want to uh, relinquish your position. It's relinquish to work, probably. Yeah. 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 Relinquish. You don't want to relinquish your position because you'll, you'll, you'll lose status. Um, I mean, you could very well be a, a, an informal leader um, of, of, of a company and somebody else being, being the CEO, right? Somebody yeah, who like the paperwork and all the bullshit and you can be the, the ghost in the machine, if, if you will, without the yeah. title. But yeah, I mean, on the other hand, yeah. how does one become a CEO? I mean, you got to have some way, shape, or form of an antisocial personality sometimes to be an effective CEO and to Absolutely. crave that. Yeah. It's, so, it's, uh, and, 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 and that's then usually the, 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 the psych, psychology of the people that, that, that crave a position like that, but then shouldn't have it, but they get there and then the chance that they relinquish it is then almost zero. So, I mean... I, I love the idea and it makes perfect sense because it's very rare that somebody gets into a position and is actually the best person in the world for that job. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's difficult. And also like when you have talented people, you want to hold them into that position. So a lot mm. of the resistance that I found um, to this idea um, is that, you know, people just don't want you to go. Yeah. They don't want you to leave because they feel as if uh, when you yeah. go, they will be significantly weaker. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, that's just a failure uh, to have replaced yourself with uh, somebody better than you. Um, and, uh. and I often think that's just an issue of how you present it. Um, you know, I know that the people who uh, replaced me, especially towards the end of this experiment, are significantly better than me in several areas. Um, do they have the confidence? Sometimes, you know, they are you know, naturally humble people. Um, that's one of the reasons why I picked them because they're, you know, they're kind, they're generous, they're decent people, but they're also smart, capable, intelligent, and they have all of those things. Um, and so yeah, I find that they're sometimes a little bit reluctant to believe that it's possible. And that's one issue that I've encountered before. So I have to work on on that, you know, try to instill belief a little bit better, um, you know, um, but yeah, as I say, very much a work in progress. And, and the criticisms you say are, are completely justified. Um, but I'm going to continue seeing if I can try to do it and maybe extend the time. I think that's also the issue. If you do it too fast and if you don't have a, a succession plan in place, that's, that makes sense. Then, um, you know, it, it doesn't work. So finding that optimum time length is, is important, but I think it's a necessary element because I think that the biggest problems in the community, as we spoke to about before, um, is appeal to authority just because, you know, you know, instead of like looking at the leader and saying, well, it must be good because the leader says so, or the mm. leader's great, you know, therefore we must all agree. There's a lot of this going on. So how, how about we solve that by changing the leader or, or making leadership not that big a deal and taking leadership on ourselves? Because I think that issue does need solving. It's, it's the biggest thing that I find in communities is this hero worship. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That's the thing, right? Being the leader. Yeah, it should be the leader. idea. It's the, uh, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, worshiping the leader. It, work, the idea is really the most important thing. The people around it, they're 
we all move into different situations, different roles, um, but it's the idea that should should take precedence. Um, you know, so removing a leader encourages focus on the idea, um, the the actual subject matter, the the issues at hand that we need to address, rather than personalities and this is stuff that which are distractions. So yeah. we, we are at this point in the discussion where it gets so interesting because she can go in so many ways. I mean, we could take it indeed into the direction of CEOs and, and, and companies. And then you would have Gilbert yeah. entering the chat. But the most vivid example that comes to me now is like the, the situation we, it's a political discussion, but at least here in the Netherlands where we have this prime minister um, who's been in charge for the past 12 years and he doesn't really have any ideas anymore. It's just the personality of just yeah. him being very charismatic and that's the reason why people vote for him. There, yeah. All the ideas left and how the hell are you going to replace that? He really maneuvered himself into this very vulnerable position of how he's just there and there's nobody to replace him. He knows that when he leaves his party will probably fall in the polls and they will right. lose in Parliament. Yeah, this could also apply to Gilbert, for example. What would happen to Quant if Gilbert yeah. leaves? So, yeah, yeah. I, I really like this idea of self. Well, wait, what's the word? It's like uh, self reputation. Uh, yeah, self reputation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, um, uh, obviously, with regards to Gilbert, um, his his background is uh, is very impressive, you know, and you know he's obviously a very credible character from what I can see um, from my uh, research and my due diligence um, of him online, you know, and I think that you know you can you can understand why people say um, you know it's all it's all under control. Gilbert's handling it because you know he does come with a certain you know cachet and credibility yeah. um, but i just think it's just not healthy generally to use that as the default go-to oh yeah he is because of him we need to look at the issues independently and not get confused so that we can have better structured conversations and come to conclusions faster and yeah um i'm sorry to hear about your uh, political situation in the netherlands we had the same oh, thing no, Boris no. it's, uh, <laughs> it's politics uh, but it's just an interesting example but yeah, it is. Politics uh, is a no-no here. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't really touch on politics for uh, practical reasons. Yeah, um, of course. Of course. Uh, same, anyway, same as soccer. Never, never start <laughs> soccer. Soccer, no, politics, no. religion. No, we don't. It, it's interesting we don't touch upon it. But um, I mean, yeah, with with Gilbert, I mean, he switched between positions a lot, right? Um, so apparently, every time he did that, he found someone who could replace yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's I think brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. And you know, you can I, see get much better understanding of the whole organization as well when you do this. There's the other, uh, I'm sure yeah. that he knows everything that's going on there. You know, yeah. it's it's like the interim managers, right? Those are the guys that, that that come in and 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 usually either restructure what they have and and push uh, move people around, or 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 get in new people. Um, to do the work that other people are not doing. I mean, that's a forced um, short-term solution. Not sure if that really works in the long term, but maybe looking at um, at, at their methodology um, and, and maybe the tricks that they use that you can implement that in your uh, self-replicating philosophy. Also, yeah. look at Simon Sinek. I'm not sure if you're aware of him. Oh, I do Simon know him. Yeah. Why, why Leaders Eat Last. That's one of his famous uh, books. I think he's a really charismatic, energetic guy. 
the way how he talks about um, how, how leaders at any level um, should present themselves, project themselves, and, and how they should treat people. I think that is, that is really interesting. And I think he has also uh, a, a bit on self replication but using it in a different context or different way. oh okay i'd be interested to see that i haven't seen that about self-replication it'd be interesting to see what his view is on it yeah, yeah. i just think yeah um having a culture of self-replication tries to keep everyone you know honest is is difficult because you, it's often hard to find someone you know if you're particularly qualified who's better than you it's still generally a, a you know a good idea um yeah. sorry no, no, no. I, I was thinking, right? If, if if we take this back to crypto and and let's take this back even to the core community because that will resonate with a lot of people. Um, some people are there since the beginning. Yeah. Are they good admins? Maybe. Are they the best admins? Most likely not. Right. Best being number one, two in the world, whatever. Um. How? would you in this case suggest they go about this? I mean, those people are there, they are invested, their, their money is in this project, they want to govern this, uh, these communities, they, they own these channels, right? Because um, there's literally an ownership badge in Telegram. When and how would you recommend if somebody starts a new community, what can they do to make sure that eventually the baton gets passed on? Well, I think that you just, if you're passionate about something, you want to help naturally. You know, um, and the way I got involved in community management at first was um, it was during uh, the ICO um of the summer of 2017 it was during that ico boom thousands and thousands of people just joined this telegram <clears throat> and nobody knew what was going on at all not at all what is a ledger you know questions like at this level you know um and everyone was completely new i just like looked at this absolute devastation and thought to myself do you know what i'm going to answer every single question because I really love what is happening here with this Web3 idea and crypto, the freedoms that it, it presented an alternative to the financial system. I, I just, I didn't care. I didn't want to be paid. I didn't want anything. I just went in there and just answered every question. And uh, many of those people I'm still friends with today, friends for life. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, everything just went sky high, rocketed. And, um, and I, what I noticed is that other people in the community started doing what I did. I like tried to set the example and they were doing the same thing. They were answering questions when I wasn't asleep or when I was around and they were actually just doing what I was doing. So yeah. I think there's a lot of just assuming the role. Eventually they, they turned around and said, do you want to have a job doing this? And I said, yeah, mm. sure. Yeah. And I was actually, that's how I started getting paid for it. Um, I assume the role. And, um, and that's what every community member should be doing, you know, just looking around and saying, right, what needs fixing? What do you, you're good at this, right? Let's work together. Let's set up a group here and just let's sort this out. Let's report back to him because he needs to know what's going on. Let's talk to her and make sure she's in the loop and work as teams. 
um, self-activated. It's a bit crazy. It's a bit hectic. There may be duplication of work, but there is need for a centralized order. Um, but, you know, this is the kind of conversations that people should be having in communities, not talking about like when moon, when pump, they should be thinking like, what can we do as individuals banding together to make something <laughs> like this? Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, I just think that, you know, it's important for people to uh, take on this leadership role themselves um, and not rely on other leaders around them to do everything for them. Um, think about really what you can do you know, to make your situation better. Um, yeah. yeah, like what you guys did. Yeah, and 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 I, I agree. I think I think that is wonderful. But eventually, there will be a couple of people that will be there from day one, and there will come a time that it is quote unquote better for them to move on. Right, because yeah, sure. otherwise they get entrenched, etc. Mm -hmm. How would you foster, or how would you suggest that that, for instance, new this idea to them. leaders? Yeah, sorry. Okay, how would I suggest this idea to them? To yeah, how, how, how would you create a culture that fosters uh, that everybody well, should be replaced eventually? Okay, well, let's let's start a conversation. You know, it's the first place. You know, I'll go onto the Telegram if they allow me back in. But just kidding. And uh, I would ask them. You know, hey, there's this idea called self-replication. What do you guys think about it? There's a video I made about it here as well. You know, put some comments in. Let's start a debate about it. Do you think it's a valuable thing to have in this community? And you know, make it democratic. Let's have a debate. And let's look at my article on logical fallacies while we're at it to make sure the debate's good and high quality. Links in the description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's yeah. not impose something on people if they don't want to do it. You know, if they think yeah. the idea is wacky. I mean, look, it's still untested. I, I only know a few people who are, you know, really down with the idea. I meet a lot of resistance. You know, the last thing I want to do is just wade in there and say guys you've got to replace it off in six months they're not going to like that maybe you know um but maybe they will maybe they're thinking do you know what i'm sick of this i've been doing this since 2017 i would like somebody else to step up and take uh, some yeah. responsibility and you know they're going to get a lot of benefits from mentoring and guiding other people as well and forming stronger bonds with the community um you know why not or even just expand it you know, and people can stay in their positions, you know, but give everyone uh, a little bit of a, a chance to participate. But, you know, moderation and admin work is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, can you yeah. code? Can you develop? Um, how good are you um, as a writer? You know, can you can you present? You know, there's, it, there's so much somebody could be doing and not just moderator. Um, yeah. It's just one aspect. There's yeah. so many things. I can see a lot of benefits to this, truly. And, and, and just looking at like the base level, right? Moderation, community management, it yeah. is easy to get burned out. And especially yeah. when we're entering bull market season, um, I have taken breaks from admin plenty of times. Like, okay, guys, I just need to take the fucking week because I am going to murder somebody. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and there were some communities that I, that I left entirely. But I feel that oftentimes, and, and it's the same for people with their jobs, right? People just stay because they're comfortable. They, they don't see any challenges anymore. They've seen it all. They're numb. Yeah. 
and 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 they don't want to reinvent themselves, learn something new, take the risk, take the plunge, and yeah. all these things contribute largely um, to people staying too long. I, I think that is mostly what is going on. Yeah, I think that everything you just mentioned there exactly describes what I would call a Web two mentality. Yeah, you know, yeah. Being comfortable where you are, kind of entrenched, you know, in your comfort yeah. zone not really pushing yourself, not doing much for the people around you. Um, this doesn't work, you know, like in a, in a, in a Web3 environment, which is what we are apparently moving into in the next stage of the internet. Um, so that's exactly why there is a huge issue, in my opinion. But there is a, there is a transition going on, it seems, right? Ever, ever since, I don't know, for a while, people are seemingly job hopping more, right? People are, are taking on challenges elsewhere when whenever they get bored it's a lot easier now right we're no longer yeah. bound to a single city we can now work yeah. remotely so i think your self-replication idea is very timely i think with with the decentralization going on right after, after covid and everybody working from home um can be i mean Looking at myself, I get bored after doing the same thing for a year, year and a half, right? The learning curve flattens. I get bored. I want to move on. Mm -hmm. There are more people like myself. And, and, and they exist. And I think more and more people like this are coming, right? The late, latest generations yeah. have more information. They have more, um, more different things they're interested in, generally. Yeah. People no longer, generally, I think, stay longer than the, the couple of years to 10 years in a job. I mean, there's always people that love it, right? There's also people that love being on a conveyor belt and just making egg boxes, which is fine. Mm -hmm. um, but the motivators, the leaders, the inspirators, I think, um, yeah, they could very well benefit from, from this. I think it's, uh, it's really cool. Yeah, it's, um, you know, just an idea. Test it out, see if it works. Um, yeah. You know, uh yeah, that's of good course. for crypto because people get bored in projects so they can move on quickly. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is an element of boredom. And I think that if you are bored, yeah, definitely uh, spice things up a little bit or, or find something else because that boredom is infectious and it will con be contagious yeah. in your community and they'll all be bored with you. And it's, you know, you need somebody with spark and, you know, to, to be like, you know, fire starters, if you like, you know, just set the yeah. example and get that whole community burning. You know, I've seen communities do that. Like Quant, for example, in I think 2020, they were they had such an engaged community. You know, that's how I found out about them. Uh, a Quant guy came up to me and you know explained a little bit about it. And honestly, the first time I heard about it, I was absolutely blown away. I was like, oh my god, this is it! I can't believe it. I wrote an article, and um, you know, but it was a, but I made the mistake of not asking enough questions uh and uh, then when i realized you know that you know there were certain things that didn't make 100 percent sense to me and and the way the conversation was going i was thinking oh, okay maybe you know i made a, a a little bit of a mistake um but having said that of all the uh, crypto communities out there quant still remains strong and um you know in the news um doing all sorts of work with cbdc's i see Although I'm not in favor of those uh, that work, it's still a testament um, that um, to, to, to Quant's longevity uh, that they're still around. You know, many have died um, in the past few years. 
So there is something there. And, um, you know, I wish, I wish everyone in that community all the best. Yeah. Thank you. You're not holding quant anymore. <laughs> you never, you never <laughs> held. <laughs> I'm saying no, say no. again. I said, you don't hold quant anymore or you never held. <laughs> no, no I, I, I really don't buy uh, hardly any crypto these days. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, Bitcoin maxi uh really? these days yeah um I, I mean that's how i started in 2015 and sit and then i've been on a road like trying to explore all this uh, web3 world and um and i'm still to i'm still yet to find really strong evidence of uh, utility so i tend to just stick with something that i really know and trust uh which is bitcoin um i really aligned with the, the beliefs, um, the community structure, the way there is no hierarchy as far as I can see, um, although there are aspects which are inevitable. But it's it's uh, such a beautiful idea. I, that's the only, um, I, I shouldn't say crypto because they don't even like to call it crypto. Um, it's the only mm -hmm. coin um, I, I buy these days. However, I'm optimistic, you know, um, you know, I'm not looking for the next 10x, really. I'm just looking for a project that works. My whole reason for being involved in crypto isn't uh, to do with uh, the money, believe it or not. It's really because I could have had that money um, by staying in the traditional legacy financial sector and sacrificing my, mor my morals to a life of corporate servitude. But instead, I wanted to find something real and alternative. And that's what I was looking for. And... Uh, and Bitcoin has been so good to me um, and it has given me a, a, an underlying philosophy for how to build communities. And, and uh, I really believe that it works. As we can see, Bitcoin has gone from almost well, nobody 14 years ago. So I don't know how many people hold Bitcoin now, but it's in the at least Over 10 million. million. Yeah, 200. Um, and that's without any marketing department. The idea was so good. You know, it was inevitable. Um, and uh, yeah, that's really what I want uh, the communities that I build to, to be like, to have a great idea and to have the people there to make it a reality. And uh, that's why I love this Pence approach that um, so many people have contributed to. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed it, uh, it makes it. Um, and um, yeah, thank you for letting me discuss it with you as well. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much for being here and, and a lovely closing uh, closing statement. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, yeah. I, I looked at the clock, man. We can we can keep talking, but um, <laughs> oh yeah, we have time. We have more time. Okay, all right. Okay, well, no, 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 no. no. Oh, let's no, no. Uh, let, 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 <laughs> let's let, let's plan a, a version two for the future, maybe. Good um, stuff. Thank you so much, Oliver, for being here. And for your generosity with your time and information, etc. Um, everybody, please look in the description. Um, we will also post a link on our drive with the PowerPoint, but all the links are in the description. You can find everything there on Oliver's uh, Oliver's LinkedIn. Tim, do you have anything to add? I don't really have anything uh, to add. Would like to thank you, Oliver. Oh, cheers, Tim. Conversation uh, this night. I didn't say a lot because I was just listening to you and Jarno and uh, uh, yeah, just sorry about that. for me as well <laughs> to listen to. So uh, really That's enjoyed cool. it. And we will do our best to uh, get it published. So. 
great stuff guys thanks again appreciate it thank you so much and uh, for everybody watching thank you guys so much make sure to leave a comment if you have any questions for for us drop them in the comments you can always go to oliver's articles on linkedin oliver muldoon uh, you'll find him there um ask the question on the article and uh, get a bit of traffic going if you will smash the like button subscribe all those good things and uh, we'll see you in two weeks with the new english episode and yeah. next week for a dutch one if you can manage to understand in the meantime yes. stay comfy cheers stay comfy